Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. You ready for different? You want different? Do you really want different? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes that's what we have to do, don't we? That's the only choice. I love this episode. It's titled Invitations, and the reason is because there's two people getting invitations. Just saw the invitation for Matthew. This comes at the end of the episode, actually. There's an invitation that happened sooner. It was the invitation that made sense. In this episode, Jesus invites Nicodemus, the powerful religious leader, to follow him, and he invites Matthew, the evil, awful tax collector, to follow him. Nicodemus makes sense. Makes sense. You want, you know, you want good, talented people, smart theologians in your, in your group. And in this episode, Jesus shares John chapter 3. We, we get to see Jesus do that. It's really cool. And then they, the, the, the writers add in that at the end, Jesus invites Nicodemus to, to follow him, which is not in the biblical narrative, um, but it's something that they've used their whole imagination. And it kind of makes sense. If you read John chapter 3, it's hard not to see it as an invitation to Nicodemus to, to follow Jesus. And in fact, later on, we find out uh, in the Gospels that, that Nicodemus does become a secret disciple of Jesus. 
But when I said, are you ready for different? I wonder if you really are. I mean, all of us, we're a whole life because we like different. I like to think that people come here because they want something different. But then I ask myself, do I really want different? I mean, do I want different the way that Jesus wants different? I like to think I do, but the, the truth is, if I really think about it, I think I'm probably a lot more like Peter than I like to give myself some credit for. You know what I mean by that? I mean, if I'm just honest with you, there's a couple people in my life that if they showed up here today, I'd like to say I'd be glad they were here. But if they sat down next to me, I might need to use the bathroom and find a new seat later. You know what I mean? And if you're honest, I bet you there are a few of those people in your life too. Few people that would just be hard to see them because you're like, I know who you are. And that's really what Peter is saying about Matthew. He says, I really know who this guy is. This guy, this guy was just a just, you know, just a few days ago trying to get me thrown in prison, if you remember last week's sermon. That's that's where the ep- the other episode was that, that Matthew was trying to collect on Peter in the in the episode. And uh, and so he's gonna and Peter was looking at life in prison because of Matthew. Because like Matthew, a lot of us like to kind of create this, this little line here, right? And on one side, we're going we're gonna to write the word in big letters, good, all right? So we'll try to write that so big that people in the back can see it. So there's the word good, right? And on the other side of it, we're going to write a different word. In Genesis, uh, God tells Adam and Eve, he said, uh, don't sin because in the day that you do, you'll know the difference between good and so write that word over here, all right? Evil. And so what Peter is trying to say and what we're trying to kind of get at is at what point on that binary scale am I worthy of Jesus' invitation to follow? Right? That's kind of the question. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, look, Jesus, I have no problem with you teaching Matthew you know, let Matthew sit at your feet for, for a little while. Help, let him go ahead and move on my good and evil scale. You know, because, you know, Matthew, if, 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 uh, if Matthew could have placed on Peter's good and evil scale, Matthew would have been over here for Peter, okay? Over there. And, and, and so what Peter's not saying is, Peter's not saying, I think I'm really good. Peter's just saying, I think, you know, if I'm there, you know, I'm not him. That's different. And so as human beings, we try to kind of create these, this scale of when is somebody worthy of Jesus' call to follow him, to be one of Jesus' disciples? And let's remember that Jesus doesn't call Matthew, you know, while he's at his feet there, in this episode, the way that the chosen portrays it, Jesus calls him right out of the tax collector's booth. Matthew has done nothing to prove that he has a changed heart, that he's different. And some of you will say, okay, okay, but that's the chosen. They wrote it that way. That's not what the Bible says. Well, do you guys remember a little parable about the prodigal son? When does the father welcome the son home? While he was yet a long way off. 
There was no, hey, have you changed your ways? Are you sorry for squandering my wealth? Or, it was, welcome home, here's the family credit card. That's what the signet ring was, by the way. So for the, the, for the writers of The Chosen, when they write this, this is incredibly biblical. Jesus calls people out of where they are, not to just sit at his feet until they can kind of clean themselves up, but to immediately start following him. And for those of us who are in church, that can be a hard thing to swallow at times, can't it? It can be a hard thing to see someone that hasn't gotten onto the scale that we think they ought to be, where they should be, in church. Or maybe we're okay with them being in church, but maybe we're like, but, 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 but just sit in the chair. Don't, you need to, don't, don't be up front. Don't, you know, sit and learn. By the way, sitting and learning isn't a thing. You learn by doing. You do. You learn by doing. And Jesus came to blow up the little chart that I made. That's what's different. He came to blow it up. What do I mean by that? Well, what he came to do is say, you know what? Romans chapter 3, Paul. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? And he's saying this in the context of, you know, God gave us the law at Sinai. God's done all these incredible, he's, he, we're, we're the chosen people. Are we better than others? No, not at all. We have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, no one is righteous. Not even one. Not even one. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing the law, what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So as we think about how sinful we are, maybe what would happen if, if we started to think about different words than good and evil? What if we used a different word? What if we used this word right here on this right here? What if we said empty? Is there anybody here who has experienced or is experiencing emptiness in their life? Me too. Me too. How about another word over here? What if we were to write the word whole, as in whole life? You know, Jesus says that he came to give us, come, came to give us life and to give it to the full or more abundantly. And I believe what Jesus is saying is that when he came, he came so that we could discover how to find wholeness. And wholeness is found in Jesus. It's not just a one moment event where suddenly you're whole. Family, I, I grew up Christian. And I can tell you, I long for the day when Jesus comes back and wholeness does happen. And right now I'm on that journey to holiness. There's issues in my life that have got to be fixed. And there's issues in your life that, just like me, where you're empty. 
you find yourself empty. And what Jesus would love for us to do is to stop creating these scales that we put all of ourselves on. Well, I'm better than this person. I'm not as good as that person. This person is worthy. That person isn't worthy. And we judge it by this, this kind of a little scale up here. Why? Because as human beings, we are awful. We are awful at really seeing what's happening inside of people. When it comes time for us to pick leaders and people to be in charge, we usually pick poorly. <laughs> it happened in 1 Samuel. They were looking for a king. Samuel was sent to find a new king because Saul was failing. And so Saul goes down the line of these eligible brothers, and there's the oldest brother. Well, that, that makes sense. I'm an oldest child, so you definitely pick the oldest, right? God says, not him. Next one, good looking, strong, not, not him, not him. Finally gets to the youngest. And these are the words that, that God says to Samuel, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our problem is that we get very judgy about what we see externally. And we don't realize that there are people that externally look pretty messy, whose hearts are in a better place than maybe ours are. This is one of the reasons I chose you. You chose me and I chose you. And one of the reasons I chose whole life was because I loved that one of your values is acceptance. I love all of our values. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, the Bible, worship, participation. But acceptance is something that is often very difficult for us as human beings to fully engage in. We accept up to a certain point, and then we say to Jesus, but not, not her, not him. That's different. And Jesus says back to us, get used to different. And so one of my passions is your is, is a pastor here, is part of your pastoral team, is leading that team, is to continue what's baked into the DNA of whole life. That idea that, that all are not only welcomed, but are included and wanted at whole life. Because transformation doesn't happen outside, it happens in community and family. I remember... Um, I remember having a conversation with a leader in a different church at a different time in my life where I was pastoring. And that leader was a good person with a good heart. But they were really concerned. They said, Ken, we see that you're including people. You're even baptizing people that are doing things that we question whether they ought to be doing those things. And if they're doing those things, if they should be up front, they should be baptized. We feel like you're not, and this is a word that gets used in, in Christian circles sometimes, Adventist, we feel like you're not supporting the standards, right? Do this, don't do that, that sort of thing. We feel like you don't, I, I feel like you don't care about those standards. And I said, you know, I do care about those standards. I care about them in the context that there's a reason why we have rules and things in our society is to keep people safe and to help people live a more happy and full life. So I do care about them. However, I care more about people 
and putting them in a place to be able to understand than I do about getting somebody just to follow something for some reason. So we had this long and vigorous discussion on this. And we both became frustrated. And the, the conversation ended with me in frustration saying, you know, here's the thing that I feel frustrated with. You are sitting here critiquing me for studying the Bible with people, bringing people into this church while you are sitting there not doing that. You're just critiquing what I'm doing, but you're not out there actually sharing Jesus with people. And I want to give this leader so much credit because he rocked back in his chair and he goes, yeah, I guess that's true. He goes, well, I'm going to show you. And I said, good, show me. And I give this guy so much credit. He went out and he found a neighbor. And I got to be admit, I was praying a lot because it's like, oh, dear Lord, please don't let this person make our church look horrible. <laughs> he went and found uh, his neighbors. And these neighbors were definitely in a place in life where they were on empty. They were hurting and they were in a hard place. And I give this man so much credit because he started loving on them. And I remember him coming and saying, hey, uh, Ken, you know, I'd, I'd like to bring them to church. Do you think it'll be a good Sabbath next Sabbath? And I said, what I always say to people, it's always a good Sabbath. Bring them. So they came to church, and it was pretty obvious that, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't quite, in that church, they didn't quite look like everything else that was going on in that church at that time, right? But man, they were welcomed, and they were loved on, and I loved it. And uh, a week or two later, though, I noticed that the husband, the neighbor, husband wasn't there anymore. So I went to my leader and I said, uh, something happened? He goes, well, yeah, but um, you know, I told you that they're working through some substance abuse issues. And, and so my, my neighbor's in jail right now for about the next six months. And I said, oh, man. I said, well, I should probably go visit him. He said, no, no. I've got that covered. He said, I'm doing it. They said, that's awesome. That's great. And I give my leader so much credit because every week for six months, at least once a week, my leader showed up at the jail and studied the Bible and prayed with this man while he was going through a difficult stretch there. Still kept meeting with the wife, make sure that her needs were met while husband was in jail. And about two weeks before the neighbor was released, my leader came to me and said, Ken, I don't know what to do, but my neighbor wants to be baptized as soon as he gets out of jail. And I was wondering if you would meet with him to find out whether he's ready or not. And I said, did he say he wanted to be baptized? And he said, yeah. He's like, yeah, but you know, we, we need, I was like, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. Fine. Let's have, let's have your neighbors over to my house for, for a meal. And uh, as soon as he gets out, then we'll hopefully do, be doing a baptism that, that next Sabbath. And so the leader and, and his neighbors came over to my house, met with the neighbors, and man, were they ready to be baptized? <sighs> yeah. Man, they were in love with Jesus. They were so excited. You could just see God transforming and bringing wholeness 
you know, creating wholeness in their life where there had been only emptiness before. And man, they needed a community around them, right? To support them and love them. They needed to be told, wait a little bit longer. But I couldn't help myself. After we got done with the meal and we spent a little bit of time with them, uh, the neighbors went home. And the leader was there with me. He goes, so, what do you think? Can we do the, I mean, can we do the, can we do the baptism? I said, I don't know, are you trying to trick me? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it wasn't too long ago that we were having a conversation where you were telling me that, that I didn't care about things. And I noticed your neighbors definitely love Jesus and they definitely, but I also noticed that there's still some things going on with them that might not be things that, well, they're, they're things that you critique me for not caring about, just to be straightforward with you. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering if you're trying to trick me to see whether or not I'll baptize somebody that you don't, you, you don't believe should be baptized. And the color drained from his face. Oh, Pastor Ken, no, 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 no. No, you don't understand. You have no idea where they were at before. You don't get it. That like, that like, this, 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 this. And now, look at, I mean, they've, they've done this and this. And look at how Jesus is transferred. No, they, I mean, I, I mean, of course, I think these things matter. But, they, but they, need, they need to be baptized. They need to be a part of our family. I'm sure it all figured itself out. Exactly. Exactly. You know, isn't there a difference when you love somebody than when you're just judging somebody from far off? My leader had discovered that when you are in relationship with somebody and you see the hurt and the pain in their life and you see what they really want, what they really need, you don't view them as an object that's on this scale. You view them as Christ views them, as a person who has emptiness in their life that only Jesus can fill. In this episode of The Chosen, at the very beginning, they do something that I love that they do occasionally. And that's where they, they'll throw back to the Old Testament, Old Testament story that, that has major implications on what's happening in the gospel in Jesus' life. And in the, the story that they start off with, that you, you see Moses and Joshua in a tent. Joshua's hammering away on some bronze, creating this bronze snake. And it goes back to a story that's in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. It's Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. And what's happened is the children of Israel have complained and done, you know, just done their normal thing with God out in the wilderness. And you know, why have you brought us here to die? Moses, you're a terrible leader, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, snakes come. They start biting the people. And the people are like, hey, we shouldn't have been complaining. Sorry about that. Is there anything you can do about it? Moses, Moses goes to God and says, hey, God, what do you want to do? And God says, create this bronze serpent. Take it out and hold it up. And anybody who looks at it will be healed. What do they have to do to be healed? Look, do they have to crawl to it and kiss it? Decide to look at it. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw everyone to me. So maybe it's time to 
not worry about the scale. And I'm sorry, I am no artist. So this is the best Jesus I can do. (laughs) But maybe the point is that we just want people to be looking at Jesus. And that it does not matter where you are as far as emptiness or wholeness goes, but what really matters is you want people to be facing Jesus. And I can tell you that if my child was snake bit, I would carry my child to where they could look at Jesus. And I can tell you as your pastor and as a part of this family, I hope that we will carry people to where they can see Jesus. Jesus in John chapter three, and the most, probably one of the most popular verses in all the Bible, John three sixteen. Before verse 16, Jesus references that serpent in the wilderness. And the clip I want to show you as we close, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about what it takes to be saved. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. Will you read those words with me? Read it with me. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now I'd like you to read it with the Ken Wetmore changed around version here, okay? Where you see in parentheses, say your name, don't read your name. Put your name in, okay? All right, so here we go. For this is how Ken loves the world. Ken gives the best I have to point people toward Jesus so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. I believe God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And I will follow Jesus' example. Are you ready for different? Welcome to whole life. Hey, Ken, thank you so much for that sermon. I, I got to say, while I was watching the, the program last night before I came to church, and I was just the... That episode Get used amazing. to being yeah. different. That, that line just, get it was so powerful. Um, we actually had a comment here. 
that said, does different equal grace, mercy, and unconditional love? Yeah, because uh, to me, that's different than what the world offers, isn't it? In the world, it's, it's, uh, it's very much performance-based. Um, you know, if you work hard at work and you do what you're supposed to, hopefully, you'll have a boss that appreciates that. Um, you know, we, we've turned marriage into that. If my spouse does what they're supposed to do, then, then we can, you know, keep that marriage alive and keep it going. But if they're, you know, if things get where that person isn't doing everything that I need them to be doing, then maybe I need to look for something else. So we live in a very performance-based world where we really judge people more, we objectify people more than we make them humans. And we make them objects to meet the needs that we have. And so in God's kingdom, that's different. In God's kingdom, you're a human being, first, foremost, beginning and end. And so different for us has to look different. We have to be different than what we see in the world around us. We have another question here from Jazzy, and it says, in this week's episode, Jesus speaks of how the spirit needs to be reborn and then compares it to the winds being seen, unseen but felt. What if the spirit is inviting me to a journey in a different way than the directions some in my church believe I should be moving? Um, firstly, thank you for asking that question. So the first thing I want to say is I want to be careful that we don't throw out the wisdom of the family. I think it's important to listen carefully to people that we know to be godly, um, people that we know that love us and care about us and want, want our best. So that's the first thing I would say. That's important. The second thing I would say is um, I am very grateful that the Bible tradition is that that we are responsible to Christ ourselves. And so what that means is if you feel God leading you and you know God is leading you, then you need to listen to what God's telling you to do and respectfully and kindly let those who are disagreeing with you know that. I remember I've, I've made a couple decisions in my life where some people that I knew loved Jesus disagreed with those decisions. Um, and I really, the more they disagreed, the more I prayed it out, the more I thought about it. But the more I thought about it, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what God was calling me to do. And so I, I'm responsible to God for me. There, and so I have to do what I feel God telling me to do. Um, and so um, to me, it's a, it's a careful balance. When everybody in your life is telling you it's the wrong thing to do, you probably ought to really give that a lot of thought, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of thought. Um, and uh, the other thing that I always tell people is usually when God's calling me to do something, he opens the doors um, and I don't have to kick them open. Um, and so that's the other thing. If you feel God moving your life, opening doors and making things possible, then that's another way of kind of determining what God is trying to do for you. Okay. I think we have time for one more. So um, P&E in here asked, um, it sounds like making a mistake isn't a sin. If Jesus wants us to follow him and live his way right out of the tax collector's booth, to so to speak, it doesn't sound like he expects us to do what is right every time without error. I'm always afraid to make mistakes because I'm thinking it's, it's sinning or that it may cause or hurt somebody else and might make them think that, uh, make Jesus look bad for them because I did the wrong Christian thing. Well, firstly, let me say I love your heart that you actually care. I love that. I love that you care because we don't want to hurt people. We want to be careful that we, we're loving. But 
when you're learning to walk, if you, anybody have watched toddlers learn to walk, it is inevitable that they're going to fall. And it's not that I want my child to fall, it's just inevitable that they're going to. My goal is to get them to be walking and not falling, but they will fall occasionally. And I do not hate my child because they fall down. Mm. I love my child, it actually hurts me to watch them get the scraped up knees, I don't, I don't like that. And so, when it comes to our walk, does God, does God know that we're going to make mistakes and that we're going to fail? He does. And he loves us anyway. But does he want us to? No, he doesn't want us to. In the same way, I don't want my child to fall. And he, God is doing everything that God can do to help us be as functional um, as we can be. Okay, we got two more that came in. Uh, that I'm going to give you the easy, what I think is the easier give one first. Give me one, because I think we're, we okay. got one. I'll give and you then the easier te- one and then. then. Well, sure. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we'll tease the other one for the podcast. Okay, yeah. awesome. So why was Peter different from Matthew, and who gives us the right to reject others? <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind. That was the easy one. So, yeah, no, Matthew and Peter, they weren't different. Peter thought they were different, but they weren't to Jesus. And so who gives us the right? Nobody. Nobody gives us the right to to do that. And the teaser question is, how do I accept myself into the church when my own family and parents don't agree with my Christian lifestyle? Listen to the podcast. (laughs) We'll have that on the podcast. Comes out Wednesday mornings. So you have that to look forward to. Thank you, Haas. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for all the great questions you, you turn in. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this time together as a family. Lord, I pray that each person here would know that they're wanted, needed, and that they have something to do in your kingdom. Help us all to be careful about the way that we look at those around us. And give us eyes that are like your eyes to see people through the eyes of love. Help us to draw people to you and turn, help us as we're helping them look at you. Thank you for loving us wherever we're at. And thank you for giving us a way towards wholeness. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, family, I love you. Go love that world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening. 
and have a great week.